0: Welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the bi rated TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head to head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by my good friend Carl Grice. How's things going, Carl?
1: Olale. rasa. Carl things? yeah, not too Underly, bad. Indeed.
0: Yeah, things are fantastic. Um, pretty good indeed. Um, life's going pretty good. I've had a few mojitos tonight, so I'm in a really good mood. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> <laughs> but no, I can't complain and a couple of good shows here as well that I quite enjoyed so I'm all positive tonight
1: Yes, two, two well I would say surprising shows two, two very good shows and two, when you actually look at it from a historical point of view two quite historically significant bar obviously the, the inevitable next show for WCW but the Nash and whole stuff that are in this show it's all paving the way of gold
0: Definitely, definitely. The two shows, of course, we're talking about are King of the Ring 1996 and The Great American Bash 1996, which we watched quite some time ago, but due to various scheduling conflicts, haven't been able to hook up and talk about. So I've been looking forward to this one for quite a while. Um, the two shows as well, um, definitely historically significant, but not exactly in a boom period. So um the King of the Ring took place on June 23, 1996, from the Mecca Arena in Milwaukee in front of 8,762. So not a huge crowd. And the Great American Bash took place in the Baltimore Arena in front of 9,000 even. So, whilst they're two very historically significant shows, this is right before the big boom. Um, were you watching wrestling back here, Carl? Um, It was, quite, yeah, it was a
1: bit, it was, this was. Water was my on and off period this is, the, this is the period when I came back to wrestling, I uh, went back to like just before this to start re-watching it and to get a build up, like obviously I caught it back in the attitude era of Steve Austin so through tapes and however means and the beginnings of the internet was going back and looking back into all these kind of things in terms of the NWO in terms of Steve Austin and all these and what happened to what, to what I started watching to just to get some kind of idea of this guy, this Austin 316, where the hell he came from, and then in terms of the NWO, just looking at the early days of that, because it was I was always a WWE guy, obviously the NWO was the biggest shot in the arm that the wrestling world needed, um, but from a historical point of view, I mean, but then the NWO just goes into like bizarre, and nowadays I find myself trying to research and look into the NWO and how people left, and it's, horrific to try and find a timeline or any kind of um, flow to the NWO and its many branches. Yeah, I
0: imagine that would be about as difficult as Duncan trying to track historical ownership of um, of stipulations like he did recently. I can't, I can't imagine spending the day doing that.
1: <laughs> no. You think on YouTube, I just have a look like, oh, NWO kicking out members or people leaving, but there's there's literally nothing. You think, obviously, at times when it had people in, it's spoiler alert, Bubba. What did he go? Did he just disappear, or I can't? I need these questions answered for my own personal um, OCD.
0: I'm sure you can find Shawn Michaels kicking Booker T out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I actually struggled to watch shows during this time period because, I mean, like anything, when stuff gets really bad, the effects not always immediately felt. So, 95 being largely considered the worst year in wrestling, it was 96, 97 that over here in Australia we really felt the fallout and the VHS has stopped coming along. So, I um, got plenty of 95, but, yeah, 96, 97 with the lean years, 98 when it kicked back in, I managed to go back and managed to get my hands on some pay-per-views from back here, but um, it took many years for me to see all the shows around this era.
1: yeah. And then it's obviously like like I say. And then you go back and you're watching things, and they're not they're not in a, in an order. You're just grabbing whatever you can watch and watching it.
0: Indeed. Speaking of watching, which of these two shows did you watch first?
1: Uh, I have watched the WCW show first. Um, obviously, with knowing the, I always tend to if so I tend to have an idea of a show, I tend to watch that second. Just so I kind of could concentrate on the show. I don't really know first.
0: Alright, I watched King of the Ring, but let's head over to the Bash and do that one first. Are you ready to kick off with the Great American Bash?
1: I'm as ready as Craig Pittman with the the American flag.
0: (laughs) Alright, let's do it.
2: My team's ready. Flair and Anderson, the coach is ready. I hope those two pigskin buffoons are ready. And Savage, you think you're going to get your hands on me? You're badly mistaken. You're not going to tear me apart. I'm not worried. I'm not scared. I'm not worried.
3: Yeah, macho man, coot's my coot man, on here! Yeah, oh my god, strength! We're yeah. horsemen, watch out for these guys. Oh yeah! yeah. let fight! Savage! Kevin Reed is the great American bash, baby! And we're taking no prisoners! Giant, you've chokeslammed me through tables, you've chokeslammed me in the ring. But you know what? I'm still standing up because I'm the total package. You're gonna find out why. I've already got two titles, and I'm coming after yours. Lex Luger, don't bother looking at the definition of the giant in the dictionary, because you're gonna feel it firsthand
2: with the choke slam. <laughs>
0: Get a Bobby Heenan promo to open the show, um, followed by the Macho Man with the NFL lads. Um, It's a very uh, early 90s, late 80s, Royal Rumble Saturday night's main event vibe here with promo after promo to open the show. So I'll splice some of it in. Um, It's really good. It's then followed by Flair, then Lex, then the Giant before we finally do open the show. Um, Did you like this for a bit of a change from a a video package here, Carl?
1: Yeah, it was good. It was very... I think it was very from the influence at the time in America. It was kind of like what would say like Saturday night live, but it was kind of more of like, say like the preview. Um, it was a bit different. It was a bit out there.
0: And, and then we obviously being the great American bash kicked into the national anthem. So um, nothing really stood out there for me, but what did stand out was the opening contest fire and ice taking on the Steiner brothers. I was pumped for this.
1: Yes. In a, in a, Match where there must be a winner, which is a unique stipulation in wrestling.
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't need a hell in a cell for that. But no,
1: if only all matches had, must be a winner matches.
0: What What perfect logic.
1: I know, but to know, it's not even like, it must be a winner match. So then you think it'd be like no DQ, no out, but there's nothing. It's just, this must be a winner with all the, like, the bizarre <laughs> matches they've had leading up.
0: It could be on points for all we know. Yes. <laughs> The match itself does get started with a hip toss from the ice train. Scott Steiner hits one of his own and then a couple of clotheslines. We get a big clothesline and shoulder block from Scott Norton. A clothesline from Rick Steiner followed by an overhead belly-to-belly for a two count, which every time these guys throw suplexes, it just impresses the hell out of me get a drop kick from scott steiner a scott norton samoan drop an ice train suplex and then a belly to belly of his own for a two scott steiner gets in on the action with a belly to belly of his own and then a t-bone which nearly kills scott norton that was fucking oh rough that's the word i'm looking for it was rough
1: it's a good yeah it's a good job he um he's got no knack
0: (laughs) norton then catches scott steiner coming off the top rope and nails him with a power slam for a two which was wicked we get a short clothesline, Scott Norton locks on an armbar and ignores head kicks from Scott Steiner, which is also pretty cool. Rick Steiner hits a clothesline and a German suplex, followed by a backdrop, the four-man brawl, and then Fire and Ice hit a powerbomb splash combination, um, which Scott Steiner makes a save from. Steiner's then hit their doomsday device slash bulldog for a two before Steiner nearly kills Scott Norton once again with a Frankensteiner for a one-two-three in a fucking awesome opening contest.
1: Yes. Big lads doing big things. Scott Norton, workhorse, when you've got the novice of ice training there. Um, so Norton picked up that end of the slack too. Um, just, I always, I personally, I wouldn't have had Norton as the one to take the pin, but hey hey, it's by the by this big boys wrestling contest.
0: This was just like SmackDown versus Raw, move after move after move until the finish is up and we're out. That was just amazing. I loved it.
1: Yeah. And and then Scott Scott Norton attempting some ring... Was the only one working a body part with all these repeated shoulder breakers. So there was a slight bit of ring psychology in there.
0: Yeah, this was just four big lads fucking nailing each other. It was great. Forget that. Don't even... Take away the bit of ring psychology we had. We didn't need it. No. (laughs) Um, We then take a pretty stiff drop off a cliff with Mean Gene interviewing Jimmy Hart and Kevin Sullivan. Uh, Nothing to note here. This was not great.
1: No, Kevin Sullivan talking about he knows what makes a horseman, even though he's never actually been a horseman.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was um it was not one of his better Boston promos. No. We then see Elgato taking on Conan for the United States Championship. Um had higher hopes for this than than what it was, but it wasn't terrible.
1: Oh, yeah, it was what it was, it was just the just the um can't think of the word, the the death of the lowest point of the US title and how far it's dropped when they put the title on Gonad. Um, <laughs> just, obviously, obviously, here's his reward for bringing all these luchadors and this little working relationship. But when you come, when you chuck him Tanaka out in a mask just to have a six-minute match with him, it, uh, it's bad.
0: Is Elgato Patanaka really? Yeah. I did not know that. Oh. Holy
1: shit. Yeah. Because El Gato is Pat Tanaka in Spanish, It it really? But it's the fact, it's the fact that all, all they did was just put a tiger mask on him, and he just kept his normal ring gear.
0: Holy shit! One half of the Orient Express, and I didn't even notice. Yeah,
1: that's why the, that's why unemployment was so high in America because Pat Tanaka did all the jobs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's too early for this. You're gonna kill me. <laughs> Oh man, we get some chain wrestling to start, and then Dusty just busts the chops of Tony Schiavone for trying to call holds in the in the match. It's great. Yeah. Conan goes inside out on a clothesline. Elgato hits a back kick for a two and a power bomb for a two. Conan uses a leg lock and then a bulldog and a, a rolling lariat for a two. Um, Conan then hits a sunset flip into a power bomb on the floor and an Alabama slam for the one two three. It was a a little bit clunky. Um, and for some reason, Conan leaves without his title belts, which was a little bit weird as well. Um, as I said, not great, but um, short and some good moves in there, so not terrible either.
1: Yeah, I think um, you think well, on the uh, powerbomb on the outside. I think he knackered him a little bit because he seemed a bit rushed at the end, and then he didn't get, he didn't kind of get up after after the three count. So I think maybe he could have gone a bit longer. Maybe it should have gone a bit longer. But when you sunset sunset flip powerbombing from the apron to the floor, the man of packed to knack her, Then injury going to happen.
0: We then get a promo that hasn't aged so well. Um, it's basically Sting with Mean Gene, and the entirety of this promo is Sting basically insinuating that Regal is gay with limp wrists and all. So um, not one that you would be able to pull in 2019, that is for yeah. certain.
1: No. Calling him a homosexual without ever actually saying the word homosexual.
0: But he- You he won't, you get, won't to get to see, see the limp wrist, but I'll splice it in so you can at least hear the content.
1: Yes, but he was wearing pink and black face paint, so...
4: Uh... Brett Hart, Thank you, Tony, and thank you, Dusty. Sting, come on in if you would. Coming up, uh, we know the background between you and Lord Stephen Regal. This guy, to me, kind of comes off as somewhat of a a sissy Mm. or a prissy, but we know better than that. Uh, Looks are deceiving, and his actions are a little deceiving. This man could be one mean son of a gun, as they say. You're trying to
5: stir it up a little bit, aren't you, Mean Gene? You don't have to stir the stinger up. When you say he's a little prissy, to be honest with you, I gotta wonder myself because he's talking about the stinger painting up nice and pretty. Well, your lordship, you also drink tea like this, don't you? That little pinky out like that. I gotta wonder about you myself. Is that the way they breed the boys over there in England? Let me just square something up with you right now. That ain't the way we breed American men here in the United States. And that's exactly where you are on U.S. turf, U.S. soil. You can take... God, I can't say that. I just can't say that, Mean Gene. We're on TV. You take it for one second.
4: Well, I'd just like to point out one thing. This, this man has uh, wrestled, actually, as a, as a youngster... In the sand pits of India. We know what he's done here at World Championship Wrestling. I think you got your work cut out for you, quite honestly.
5: I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm not saying he's not a fantastic wrestler. I'm just saying he's a little iffy. I'm not too sure about him. And if there's anybody that can straighten you out in the course of 10, 20, maybe 30
0: minutes, it's a stinger. I guarantee you.
4: Maybe I was a little too strong when I said he's kind of a a prissy. Well, whatever. We then go
0: to another match that um, perhaps hasn't aged so well, but um, it was interesting to see two guys that would go on to bigger and better things quite quickly as we talked about the historical context of this show. It's DDP taking on uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell, soon to be Buff the stuff.
1: Well, this match supposed to be Paige versus Duggan, I believe. Oh, was it? Yeah, not that. That's a great problem, having not having Hacksaw Jim Duggan on the show.
0: No, the less hacksaw in the 90s, the better. (laughs) We get an outside brawl to start with before Buff hits a crossbody for a two. Uh, DDP crutches him on the ropes when he goes up a second time, hits a back elbow and a back breaker, both for twos, a side slam, and locks on an abdominal stretch. Um, He goes for the ropes three times. In typical comedy fashion, the referee sees it on the third, and then Buff hip tosses him out of it. DDP hits his pancake for a two before Buff inverts... um, I completely missed atomic my notes drop. there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, inverted atomic drop. We get a slingshot clothesline for a two, a flying head scissor, before DDP finds a new way to lock on the diamond cutter for the one, two, three. Um, short and inoffensive, and the right man went over, so definitely got no complaints on this one.
1: No, it was good. I mean, this is when I could tolerate watching Marcus Bagwell before he came buff and and WO'd. um They're really getting over the out-of-nowhere concept of the diamond cutter now, and people are starting to get a bit of a pop for it, even though he's supposed to be the bad guy. Um, but then again, the dude moves out of nowhere, where's that gimmick going to go?
0: Yeah, definitely. It, w- it won't be stolen later on. No. We then go to Mean Gene again with the Giant and Jimmy Hart. The Giant says there is absolutely no chance Lex can get him up in the rack, and there will only be a chokeslam, so let's see if that holds true.
1: There's no
0: there's no way he's going to get tortured. <laughs> we then go to the what I consider possibly the best match on either of these two shows. Rey Mysterio challenging Dean Malenko for the Cruiserweight title. And this is a, officially the point for me where the Cruiserweights become a big thing in WCW. This is really the start of it. And, of course, we get Mike today joining the commentary team just to prove that that's where we are in, in history. Oh,
1: yeah. we can't, I can't not have a Cruiserweights without Mike today.
0: Yeah, don't want um, Tony trying to call the holds again. Oh, God, no. We get some quick chain wrestling. Uh, lots of good exchanges. Dean hits a hammerlock into a slam, working over the arm. An arm bar. Lots of arm work, actually, um, before Ray comes back with a board, springboard drop kick even. And then a big clothesline from Dean gets a two. Some more arm bars. A hammerlock northern lights, which was quite nice. This is get, uh, moves you really only ever see in video games. Um, another arm bar. So he's going through Chris Jericho's offense here. Uh, surfboard and then um, possibly the, the submissions here drag just a little bit but it, you know we can give them a little bit of leniency we go into a double underhook for a 2 Ray hits a springboard somersault plauncher and then a springboard dropkick for a 2 a top uh, Arana crossbody for a 2 and then Milenko hits a powerbomb with his feet on the ropes for the dirty pin and the one-two-three in a really exciting fun match
1: yeah it's a great, uh, great match great, great way to get Ray over even with losing A great character work from Dean Malenko as this wily veteran pulling everything out they can to try and beat this person. Um, Yeah, it was great.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed this. I definitely suggest going back and having a look if you've not seen this match. I mean, the moves by comparison to today maybe are not quite as spectacular, but race stuff holds up really well, surprisingly. And um, there's not really... That much that he couldn't do back then. Um, he was just really, really go- good, and Malenko manages to take that style and still make it a serious wrestling match, which I really appreciate. It's just missing
1: forty-seven super kicks and three Canadian destroyers,
0: <laughs> <laughs> fifteen false finishes. <laughs> you know what? I don't understand. I was thinking about this today, right? When it comes to wrestling, I don't. Un- if you, um, it's considered sort of not very it's not considered very polite to kick out right after the three, but you can kick out a 10 finishes before taking the three. I don't understand that logic.
1: Yeah, true. Good point, well put, but that's just the <laughs> age we live in. You can't you can stand yeah. up after three if you remember the Legion of Doom. That's obviously... Oh, that was the best. <laughs>
0: <laughs> who, who was it that told the story? There was someone
1: backstage just screaming,
0: sell, sell. Oh, that, oh, well, yeah, it
1: was, just a, it was RVD and Kane, wasn't it? And he just... All. Yeah. Oh,
0: that was. I actually really popped for the LOD when they came out that night. I was watching that live, and then, um, yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> we go back to Gene with Lex Luger, um, who cuts a average promo, uh, very focused on his match, and wants a third belt since he's already the TV champion and the tag team champion. Um, nothing to write home about. Not one of Lex's best, but. Again, he is in the middle of a really good character story here, so it fit the bill for me. Yeah, it did the job. We then go to a match I wasn't so much looking forward to, and everything that Ray and Dean wasn't, it's Big Bubba Rogers taking on John Tenter. And my first note just says, is this the new Johnny B. Bad versus Diamond Dallas Page? Because I can't escape this fucking match anymore. No, no.
1: It goes... It's just, yeah... The the feud, the feud that never ends.
0: Tense has got no music, which I find a little bit weird. And it, it sort of hit me and it really was quite jarring how in just five years ago, 91, this would have been a huge match in the WWF, but, um, now it's basically comedy fodder.
1: Yeah. You've got big Bubba looking like a gay biker, and John tenta coming out <laughs> with half a head of hair.
0: <laughs> oh, they brawl along the outside. Um, and we get some rikishi butt attacks. <laughs> um, and then Bubba goes for an object, but the referee pats him down. Jimmy Hart has it, of course. Um, he gets a two. And then Zaguri and then a boss man attack before Dusty Rhodes tells us that Bubba is the second most agile big man that um, that he's ever seen as Bubba slowly rolls out of the ring looking gassed. <laughs> um, interestingly, he called the giant the most agile big man he'd ever seen. So there you go. Um we get a boss man uppercut, which was uh, quite awkward. That was where he's rolled out of the ring. Um, and then we wrap John Tenter's leg around the post. It's weird how um, Bubba is in great shape at either side of his WCW run because think 91, as the boss man, he was trim, he was quick, he was energetic. And then when he goes back in 98, he was in great shape again. But in WCW, he was awful.
1: Yeah, it's very... As I was saying, I can't, can't looking at the corporation big boss man. They just
0: can't believe it's the same person. I oh know, it's ridiculous. Um, we get a back suplex, which was quite cool, considering the size of John Tenter. Um He goes up to, up top, uh, the boss man, but he's caught with a power slam for the one, two, three. Um, he gets a hold of Jimmy Hart and cuts off Bubba's beard, just a little bit of it, and um, Bubba hides and runs off, basically, I think trying to cover the fact that he didn't really lose any of the beard, but um, it was what it was.
1: Yeah, and proof that this, like, this feud isn't going to end.
0: <laughs> we get gene with the nfl lads and their wives and we get a classic wrestling shouty promo from the nfl players um the highlight of which is them telling the, uh the horsemen that they're coming hard
1: <laughs> yes yeah it's hard to believe would it. have been perfect for the 80s one of the four people there deborah Mark- deborah McMichael, is the one who gets the most career and gets most over
0: yeah um there's a couple of reasons why. <laughs> <laughs> we then go to a match that a lot of you have probably heard of. It's Chris Benoit taking on Kevin Sullivan um, in the You Stole My Wife, You Dirty Bastard match. They start with an outside brawl um, and then a brawl through the crowd. This actually pops the crowd because it's 1996 and they've not seen it in every main event for four years yet. <sighs> They then brawl into the men's room, and the highlight of this is a dad with a huge mullet holding his kid back from getting involved. And then um, the highlight for Dusty is a woman in the in the men's room, and he just thinks this is the funniest thing he's ever seen. Yeah, he freaks out. Comedy aside, though, this is pretty much stiff brawling all the way through the arena. Kevin Sullivan throws Benoit down some stairs, and then... Benoit puts him on a table. uh, Sorry, puts him on top of the stairs and suplexes him off. Sorry, on the top rope and superplexes him off for a one, two, three. So, um, this was intense and short. Arn then comes out and joins in on the beatdown of Kevin Sullivan, and the crowd goes absolutely wild. Wild. The Dungeon come out and the Four Horsemen bail. So, a little. Bit of storyline progression here. Arn and Flair had been sympathetic with Kevin Sullivan over the whole Pillman episode, and now it seems as though with Benoit they've had enough and they're going to stick together as a horseman.
1: Yeah, it, um, when the, the match, the, the, the superplex um, spot with the table was beautiful. It's uh, you would think, like when you're planning it, and think so many things could go wrong, but obviously in this instance it didn't. Just felt like this match was one. But with the crowd brawling in the back and everything, that young Vince Russo is probably watching and I'd probably sporting his first erection watching it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was good. And uh, just for, again, in terms of like again going back to Rey Mysterio and giving him this right, like, this match made Chris Benoit, if we're allowed to say that now, obviously.
0: I think we could still say that. Um... Ben Warrant WCW is different enough to to Ben Warrant WWF. We've got a few years before we've got to censor ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We then see Gene with Liz, Woman and the Three Horsemen. Um, They cut a a little promo there. Again, nothing to write home about. Before we go into our next match, which is uh, Steve Regal taking on Sting. Pissed off that he's been referred to as a homosexual.
1: Yes, well, he would be.
0: Yeah, false accusation, if nothing else. Um, Regal actually, in fairness, did play up that. I mean, it was a very heel trope in the 90s, wasn't it, to be a little bit more effeminate?
1: Yes, I'm British.
0: (laughs) That too. Just for something different, they start the match with some outside brawling. Um, For some reason, it looks as though the lights have all been turned up for this match. It's a lot brighter now than what it was before. Regal hits a European uppercut and then a Japanese arm drag. So he's taking sting all around the world here at the Great American Bash. Um, Tony Schiavone tells us that Bruno San and Pedro Morales will be referees for an upcoming event. So I'm interested in finding out more about that at some point. Um, we get lots of chain wrestling and European uppercuts, a drop kick. It's a, a pretty slow dull match to be fair. Um, Regal's offense at times with the wrong opponent didn't come off so well. Sting then gets an abdominal stretch uh, and a drop kick and a clothesline before Regal slaps him and this fires Sting up, who hulks up, hits some corner punches and then locks up, locks on the Scorpion Deathlock for the tap out victory to a hot crowd ending. So not the best match, but the ending was what the crowd wanted to see and they popped hard for it.
1: Yeah, it was good. It was a it was a good match. Um, I think um, it was one of those. it showed that Regal could hang with the likes of Sting and that with. Uh, mannerisms and work it just unfortunately with to to build up to an ascendancy one well, obviously the problems he gets but it's kind of like starting to build up at the wrong time with what's coming in he's one of the many people who just get pushed to the side and forgotten about when literally the week the, the pay-per-view before the big one he's wrestling Sting which is a shame really
0: yeah it is true a lot of people's push goes by the wayside here and most of them end up in WWF and becoming big stars so um, I guess it worked out for everyone in the end and for wrestling in general but yeah it does seem a little unfair when you look at it in the, just beforehand we then go to a match that was probably the most hyped on the show more so than the title match um, it's Kevin, I'm um, not sorry, Kevin Sullivan, Steve Mongo, McMichael and Kevin Green taking on Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. So it's the footballers versus the wrestlers. And of course, the NFL lads have Macho Man in their corner and Bobby Heenan is coaching the horsemen.
1: Not managing, coaching.
0: <laughs> what was the entrance music that the um, football players had as well? That was, was pretty poor. Yeah, it was terrible. So, so bad. Macho Man, not Macho Man. Sorry, Mon- Mongo and Arn chain wrestle a little bit. Um, Tony Schiavone foreshadows telling us that um, that Mongo said that he went. Um, he left the
1: birds for the package he, he, for money.
0: Yeah, sorry. I couldn't I've, I've got it, I've got it all written down. I just I've, again like this is probably becoming a common thing I can't read my own writing, so it's terrible. Um yeah, if they really foreshadow what's going to happen at the end by making Mongo out to be a bit of a greedy bastard. Yeah. Arn out wrestles in for a while and the crowd are really hot for this. Especially anytime the um football players get a move in, um or sorry, the anytime the horsemen out outwit the NFL boys, the crowd's hot for it. Kevin Green comes in, then Ric Flair. Um, he, Flair tricks him into ducking and hits him with a boot. Kevin Green tackles uh, both the heels and then hits a backdrop. The crowd goes to a fever pitch now. They are getting right behind the faces finally. And we get a couple of clotheslines before Mongo and Ric Flair exchange chops. Mongo hits a backdrop. Ric Flair goes up top and typically gets caught. Um, we get figure fours from the NFL guys. And then Liz and Woman come out. Oh, sorry, interfere by raking both their eyes. Um, Tony Schiavone leaves, and Dusty Rhodes. Um, Dusty Rhodes tries to say implement. Um, he gets implant and Interact So his uh, commentary is about as good as my reading is tonight. <laughs> the four horse <laughs> four horsemen go into control. Flair hits a low blow on Mongo. We get a double suplex and a long beat down. Um, Mongo hits a clothesline before hitting the hot tag to Kevin Green. He comes in and more slams a backdrop, a power sl- power slam, a suplex. Before Arn comes in and chop blocks him, and Ric Flair puts on the figure four, Macho Man stops a double team. This brings out Chris Benoit. Deborah Bax comes back out after leaving, um, so she comes out with with Liz and Woman, and they open a briefcase. And the four horsemen pull out a bun- uh sorry pull out a, a four horseman shirt and a bunch of cash. They smash Kevin Green with the case, and Ric Flair hits him with the pin so Mungo turns heel, joins the four horsemen, and they all beat down Kevin Green and the macho man in a bit of a shock
1: yeah it was a it was a it was a shock it uh to say it goes into this match and you're thinking um oh, Arnold Flair versus two football players is going to be horrific. It was actually a really 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 good match um Obviously, flare and arms could probably wrestle two brooms, though, so it's not really much of a coincidence it was a good match. It's just all seems very... And I always find it really odd when you get these turns, and Mongo did a hell of a lot of offence in the match. So, obviously, it was all done there and then. Um, very Deborah coming out in the evening, guarding the money. At the ending was all a bit meh, but it did the job. The horsemen are four strong again, even with Steve Mongo and Michael.
0: I, it's funny, I was thinking during the match, because obviously this is you know not new stuff we're watching, and I knew Mongo joined the Horsemen, so as the match went on and he was doing all this offense, I'm thinking, he can't turn in this match. It doesn't make any sense. But I've got to give them a little bit of credit, I guess, because the money coming out was the reason for him to change his mind. And it somewhat made sense. They at least tried to make, make it make sense. So props for that, actually.
1: Yeah, involving his wife um, as well. Obviously, she's took the money, so kind of bent his arm but yeah no it was good entertaining match michael's great probably see michael's best match ever had always going to happen Look,
0: if, I ha- if i had 1996 deborah holding a briefcase full of money i'd wear whatever t-shirt she handed me as well <laughs> <laughs> um we've got eric bischoff on stage he calls out hall and nash which is um possibly not a good idea um He asked them for their names and they dodged the bullet on a lawsuit for now. And then Nash hits him with a powerbomb off the stage, through a table. Very, very impressive spot, especially for 96. I'll splice a little bit of the promo in because it's historically very, very important. But this segment overall just really rammed home that, hey, these two guys are are not messing about and um, became big stars right away. What did you think about this?
6: Can you believe this? These guys, incredible turn of events, to say the very least, but many of you know that for the last several weeks since uh, May 27th, as a matter of fact, we've had a number of, let's just call them interruptions, on Nitro. I know, I know, I know. And if you were with us last week, I pointed out that tonight these guys want an answer. We're prepared right now to give them an answer. They know who they are. I know they're here. Come on out, guys.
2: Wow. Look at this. Let's go. let's everybody go to wall. Here at WCW, let's do it.
4: All right, I promise you an answer.
6: That's what you're here for. But we've got some questions we've got to resolve before we do all that. Right off the bat, I want to let you know, right here, right now, I was in the WCW offices, debated, you want a match, you want a war, you want it inside of the ring, you're going to get it. (laughs) I fell into the trap, big man. Okay, hold on hold on hold on. I got some couple considerations here before We go a whole lot further. I will tell you it'll be at bash at the beach July 7th in Daytona I'm free. I'm But free. before I'm we go sorry. any further hold on hold on hold on before we go any further Let's clear one thing up. Do you work for the WWE?
2: No How about it? No Forget about the past Chico Let's worry about the future. We want to know who your three guys are. Is it, is it the uh, Nacho Man? I don't think so. And what about, what about the immortal Huckster? You know, you tell Billionaire Ted to break out the money and get anybody you can because the big man and the medium-sized man And our surprise buddy are going to carve them up.
6: I want to ask you a question right now. He's had his say. Who are they, man? Who are they? I can't tell you. I'll tell you tomorrow night on Nitro. That's the deal.
2: You can't tell us? You don't jack us around. Don't jack us around. Oh, for Christ. Whoa. What are they doing? Security. Get up there right now.
3: Oh, for Christ.
5: Somebody security up, up
3: there. Unbelievable. Please.
4: Please get him. Unbelievable. This is sick. Yeah. Tony, I got it. They I, should they hold on with the at. He's right down below us here. Oh my god. We're, we're going to need some medical. Att-
1: yeah, it's like this like a, at the start this is the huge moment. Um was alluding to in this show. Um Obviously, if I, if I was watching the time, I imagine I'd be really confused as to what's going on because we don't have the, the internet age that we have of people being told when people are leaving and going here, there, and everywhere. Um, but no, it was good. It was semi violent, tables involved, showing that the things times are changing a little bit. Um, and it just turns that NWO angle up to that next level because everyone's, everyone's literally now next. The next pay-per-view is done, dusted, set out and ready. We just need to know who they're going to be facing. I just always... What confuses me was obviously with knowing in terms of Bischoff and where that goes. Like, looking back, things like this don't make sense. Um, I think if, they, if I had my fantasy booker on, it would help if they could go back and Eric Bischoff threw somebody else under the bus. It would make more sense, but... For the job that they need to do in the I meantime, it did the job. Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: definitely go out of your way to watch this if you haven't seen it before. Having done the draws and, and Nitros leading up to this pay-per-view, I've noticed things that, you know, they typically play all the same clips when they're recapping this error on the network, and some of these bits get missed. So I've definitely enjoyed watching all the, the build-up segments to the NWO over the last few weeks. So it has been quite good. Um But it's now time for our main event, and main event means Bruce Buffer. Um, It's not even Bruce Buffer. It's Michael Buffer (laughs) in WCW. (laughs) It's it's not time for our main event. It's WCW. (laughs) Um, It's Lex Luger taking on the Giant for the World Heavyweight Championship. The match starts off with Lex running into a big boot before hitting a couple of clotheslines, and then finally clotheslining the Giant out to the floor. They brawl along the outside, and Tony Schiavone... um, Tells us that the, th- the three WCW guys for the next pay-per-view match to take on Hall and Nash and their mystery partner will be named tomorrow night. Lex locks on a sleeper, um, but we get Sting coming out to stop Jimmy Hart using the megaphone. Giant goes into a beatdown, hitting a backbreaker, and then just basically pounding on Lex for a while. Um, Dusty Rhodes tells us Lex has had literally no offense, none whatsoever. Um He's definitely had some offense, Dusty. I'm sorry, but that's not accurate. <laughs> giant misses an avalanche, and then Lex punts him on the ropes um, and puts on the fucking torture rack. This was amazing. Unfortunately, the way that the Giant does get to him and he collapses underneath him, and this allows the Giant to then hit a chokeslam for a 1-2-3 in a very flat finish, but the spot itself was memorable.
1: Yeah, a good spot. Um just uh, like I say, it's a flat, a flat match to end what has been a pretty good pay-per-view. Um, it's not the main event the pay-per-view deserved, to be honest.
0: No, definitely not. The, um, the, the previous match should have been the main event, I think, but um, that's looking back in hindsight. Um, overall, though, a good show. We run credits to finish up. Did you enjoy watching the Great American Bash, a show I've never seen before? I really enjoyed it.
1: No, I did. I did enjoy it. It, um, it, um, it surprised me, to be honest. Um, I think, again, you get caught up and you forget about the, um, you forget what's coming up, the things like Steve, when Michael joined in the Horsemen, um, kind of all these other all matches seem to get muddied into like, into different things, but when you're watching the matches that were on this show, like I say, they're all good quality, bar Bubba and Tenta and um, Gato and Gonad. For the rest of them, it, it was a good good show. yeah, the main event I think the problem was I because 'cause we we're so conditioned in wrestling that you thought something big something was gonna happen. I think a lot of people at the time were expecting Luger to to be joining the NWA, so they thought something might happen in that um in that regard, but nothing. Just finished, chokeslam, pin, good night, nothing. It's like you should like I say you should have either ended with the Ric Flair Michael match or just even ended with the with the power bomb. Um just to make you tune in for the next show it was a pretty like pretty flat ending but in terms of the show it was really really good
0: yeah it was very good um <coughs> excuse me that wraps us up for the wcw portion of things so um we now get to the halfway point of the show
7: peace god, peace god. now the shit is explained i'm taking niggas on a trip straight through memory lane it's like that jaw, it's like that jaw, it's like that jaw.
1: I remember, um, we go. I think on one of your one of your shows, you was talking about um, when when WCW towards the end they um, came over to England and had a tour. Bought Brett with them. I remember having a lovely Sting T-shirt that was full face, full face of Sting, which I used to wear with pride, even though it was an absolutely terrible, terrible pay-per-view. Um, but in terms of that, I was never. Um the t shirt was probably better than the show to be fair at the time. Which was main event, which was main evented by Ric Flair wearing an Aston Villa t shirt versus Mr. Perfect. <laughs> oh my god.
0: Yeah. Um, what could be no what could sting, be the worst no
1: Goldberg? No nobody. There's literally no names on it whatsoever.
0: What could be the worst Aston Villa player Ric Flair could have printed on the back of his kit?
1: Probably Ronnie Rosenthal.
0: oh my god so good (laughs) oh man oh that's that's brilliant then i've had i've had some good and bad wrestling shirts over the years you know like i remember i think i talked about this ages ago but when um they started showing pay-per-views for about a nine month spell in the cinema over here because they lost the rights on the pay tv provider pre-network obviously this is like 2003 ish and um yeah, for the first few events they had a bunch of memorabilia there and um I actually bought a load of shirts. I had a, I actually back then even had a Hulk Hogan Hulkamania shirt, so I, I never wore it. It was hideous. But um when you see them there for the first time you go and buy as many as you can afford. So um I think the the highlights, I had the Wanted Dead Cactus shirt and I think I had a Degeneration X shirt as well. So I had a few good shirts back in the day.
1: Yes,
0: I got an NWO I got an NWO shirt last Christmas. Oh nice. Yeah. Have I posted on Twitter uh, my favourite piece of wrestling merchandise right now, outside of probably my, my belts and my figure collection? Um, I got the um, Chalkline Ravishing Rick Rude shorts. Have I posted that on Twitter? Not, it's not something I've seen. I've got to put it up. Um, my my wife, wife absolutely hates them, so I make sure to do the Rick Rude dance every time I put them on. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for um for precious memories and looking back at some of the good and the bad of the merch we've wasted our money on over the years. We probably could be a lot better off if we'd not wasted so much, but it is what it is. I'd be a lot <laughs> better off now. Let's head over to Milwaukee and check out the King of the Ring.
4: The World Wrestling Federation for over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment.
3: by a destiny, fulfilling a destiny, bonded by the belief, the belief that at the king of the ring, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm sick of hearing about
2: the beliefs of the warrior. The king has belief. I believe that I will
4: beat you. The ultimate warrior battles Jerry the King Lawler.
7: I
3: am already
2: king of the jungle. Now, I'm already king of the ring. You're looking at the next king of the ring, Stone Cold, Steve Austin.
4: Nothing is going to stop this man from being the king of the ring. He's going to mow you down.
2: Expect Jake Roberts to leave his mark somewhere or somebody. The crowning of the
4: WWF king of the ring. I've destroyed the Undertaker, the baddest man, to walk the World Wrestling Federation. Mankind, your tormented soul soon be mine the undertaker
2: battles mankind return match with the smoking guns sonny you have drove your ducks to bad water
1: we beat you once we took the belt and it won't be a
7: problem
4: to beat you again the smoking guns battle the godwins for the wwf tag team championship Not the most revolting thing i've ever seen in my life <laughs> get him
3: out of there i'm at johnson will this time melt my mouth. Ahmed
4: Johnson battles Gold Dust for the Intercontinental title. i am be scared because I got ripped off. I
5: should
2: be the champion. Mr. Perfect, you <laughs> <laughs> You got the referee you want, so you won't have any excuses when I tune up the gym music and kick your teeth down your throat. Shawn Michaels battles the British Bulldog for
4: the WWF Championship. Tonight, it's the greatest card ever in the history of the WWF King of the Ring.
0: We start off with a hype video for all the matches on the card, and Vince McMahon hits us with this line, this could be the greatest card in the history of the King of the Ring. (laughs) (laughs) Considering it's only the fourth King of the Ring and King of the Ring number three, was at that point considered the worst pay-per-view in wrestling history, it shouldn't be too difficult. No. JR and Vince are the commentary team, and then Owen Hart comes out in his tux to join them, and I'm very happy with that. Really good to see Owen on commentary.
1: Yeah, it's, it's prob- this is probably, of all the shows that we've probably done, this is probably the best commentary team we've had. I Owen mean, was hilarious.
0: He's so good. And we start off with a semi-final match. This is in the day where it's semis and final on King of the Ring only. No quarterfinals now. And it's Austin taking on Wild Man Mark Miro. Austin beat Bob Holly and Savio Vega en route to the semi-finals. And Miro beat Skip and Owen Hart. So interesting there. We start with some chain wrestling and a head scissors from Mark Miro. Austin bails before coming back in and hitting a hip toss and a Thez press. Um, Sort of. He almost went over him. He hit that a little bit high. Um, Miro gets a backdrop. Some good action here to start with. And then we go into a test of strength. We get a suplex and a backbreaker from Austin before he locks on a Boston Crab. He then hits a back elbow. Miro goes for some roll-ups and pinning combinations, getting a series of twos. He locks on a sleeper, but Austin hits him with a jawbreaker. Mark Miro then hits a drop kick and a top rope axe handle for a two, a somersault launcher to the outside and then a missile drop kick back in the ring for a two, a top rope Hurricane Rana for a two before Austin hits him with a hot shot and then Stone Cold Stunner for the one two three in a really good opening contest. Um, this is one of the best Mark Miro matches I've ever seen. What did you think?
1: Yeah, that was good. Um, it was a good opener, long. Um, it's just a, um, kind, of, kind of surreal when you think the four people... We've got in the in the semi-finals: Austin, Miro, Vader, and Jade Snake. Three of them were in WCW this time last year, with the, when the horrendous show was on, and one of them was out in the wilderness. So it just shows you how quickly time changes and how things can change. Um, it was yeah. good. yeah. It was, it was just it was odd. It was odd watching the WF and seeing. Obviously, we didn't do cover Steve Austin, but it's just seeing Miro and not be called Johnny be bad. Um, but the pro- the problem the match was good, Austin. Was a bit of a machine, just no one really seems to give a shit about Mark Miro, which kind of um, sucks up anything out of it. Um, it was obviously the first, the early times of the stunner, um, Miro's horrible selling of it afterwards, where he's just writhing around holding his throat. Um, but yeah, so it's a good base start to be done. No kick to the stomach though, it was just straight off the hot shot, straight into the stunner, out of nowhere again. But no, it was good, good opener.
0: Do you have a problem with like I, I don't really like Austin using the jawbreaker and, and the stunner in the same match? Does that annoy you too?
1: Yeah. Well then I think it's still that little it's just giving you that little glimpse of what he used to do. Obviously the hot shot used to be his finisher in W C W so just trying to fight till he finds his own feet.
0: I can't say I remember him winning a match. <laughs> no. Um, We then get Doc Hendricks interviewing Jake the Snake, who cuts a pretty bland, preachy hope promo, um, basically telling the crowd he's got no chance um, because he's too old, which is what the the commentators have been telling us for the last few months anyway. And we go to our second semi-final match, Vader with Jim Cornette taking on Jake the Snake. Now you had an interesting fact that you hit me with about this match that I did not realise. Do you want to share that with everyone?
1: Uh, yes, it was odd that obviously we're, we're building up that Roberts being past it and was being was, and Vader was going to beat up this forty-one year old. But at the time, Vader was also forty-one. You wouldn't um, you wouldn't believe it. With obviously Jake Roberts must have had the really really hard paper round because they're both born in nineteen fifty-five, but. You're building a whole storyline with Jake being this journeyman old guy, and his opponent's exactly the same age.
0: Yeah, that that shocked me, and then like, and then the ridiculous of the fact that Jake is the one that's still alive now. Yes, like, ah, uh, just crazy. But fucking Vader, he he did not age really. Like, he was amazing. I am. Um, Vader is one of the probably three or four guys going back and watching these shows that I've grown to respect and appreciate even more in hindsight than what I did at the time because Vader's work was phenomenal here.
1: Yeah, it just makes his end of his WWF run all the more sad.
0: Yeah, I don't get it. I don't know how they missed the boat with him. Um, Vader beat... Who who did Vader beat on his run in here? He had a buy, but uh, before that, he beat Ahmed Johnson. Yeah, um, he had a buy because Gold Dust and the Ultimate Warrior drew, and yeah. Jake beat Triple H and Bradshaw. So two former world, ch- uh, future world champions on his route to the semis. Vader works on the arm, then hits the ho train attack and a splash for a two. Jake comes back with some knee lifts. Um, Vader hits him in the corner with some corner punches. The short clothesline in the DDT for Jake, uh, but the referee goes down too, and we hear a bell. Um, We're then told Vader has been disqualified. It was a little bit messy. You couldn't really tell. Vader, though, is not waiting around. He hits a series of avalanches and a Vader bomb. Eventually, officials come out to try and save Jake, um, but they tell us on the commentary here that apparently, as the DDT was going on, Vader grabbed the referee. Um, and that's why the DQ happened, but it, as I said, it wasn't the clearest cut. And we got a Coliseum video exclusive of Vader and Jim Cornette going nuts backstage. So this was a bit of a... For me, it was a pretty shitty way to get rid of Vader, but I guess they had, they couldn't have Vader going up against Austin in the final. What did you think?
1: Yeah, very convoluted, very um, pointless. Um, you could have had, like I say, you could have had Vader win, but then continue beating him up and reverse the decision. it makes him look better it's just wasn't a match more of a massacre um it was just the dq ending was a bit silly you'd think you would think if you were um jim Cornette, you'd want your client to be winning the king of the ring and if you've got an easy match in jake roberts just destroy him and build on that so it didn't really make a lot of sense to be honest it was yeah pretty rubbish yeah
0: not the best we then go to another match which I wasn't expecting to be the best the Godwins taking on the Smoking Guns who are the tag team champions Um, beforehand Doc is with the Guns and Sonny they cut a really awful promo I had no clue what the fuck Bart was trying to say Um, and Billy gets on the on the mic after the entrance and yeah they just they had one chance to get this right and it wasn't good at all
1: no it's but then again when you're staring at Sonny prime Sonny obviously not today's Sonny you'd get easily distracted to be fair (laughs)
0: early on the guns are stalling um and we've got an inset promo with cloudy which yep we're at that point in time um henry hits a clothesline for a two billy hits a snapmare and a knee for a two the guns double team on phineas and then we get a small package from henry for a two bart hits some elbows but misses a top rope leg drop we get the hot tag to phineas which is something you don't say very often in a four-man brawl um the referee is distracted with Henry, and the guns use a loaded boot on Phineas for the 1-2-3 in a very, very um, average tag team title match. It seemed like this was about a decade late, to be honest.
1: Yeah. It's a, this is, the, again, like the death of the US, or well not the death, the current dearth of the US title. Well, now we've got the dearth of the tag team title in WWE till the, Owen and Bulldog rescue the straps.
0: I, the tag team titles have a rough run for a couple of years here. Probably 95 through 97 is all pretty poor. I don't think it really picks up again until the Outlaws get a hold of them. Valid. Owen and the Bulldog are a great team. I just don't think the tag division had any legs when they had the belts.
1: Yeah, that's true. They they put the belts on and they didn't necessarily have anyone to fight.
0: And I think they, they lose them to... Um, Sean and Diesel, don't they? And so, it's, yeah, not not great. But anyway, I th- we um we then go to Doc with Jim Cornette, Clarence Mason, and the British Bulldog, and Mister Perfect's in the background. He's going to be the referee. So the insinuation here is that Perfect is in camp with Camp Cornette. No pun intended. I'll splice a little bit in for everyone to listen to. But um, yeah, I'm digging the storyline work here. Yeah, it was good. It
4: was nice
1: to have a little tease.
4: Back. All right, Vince, if anyone ever stacked a deck, oh, yeah. it would have to be Camp Cornette. I mean, Owen Hart's going to be doing color commentary. You've handpicked the referee. You guys got to be on cloud nine. Let me just explain something to you, Shawn Michaels. Tonight, son, your number is finally up. Like my old friend Dick Murdoch used to say, the Bulldogs going to tap you and knock you in the next week because it should have been his title last month. This time, there ain't going to be no referee, wishy-washy referee getting knocked out of the way. No amount. Of World Wrestling Federation presidents are going to be able to stop the British Bulldog from being the World Wrestling Federation champion. Because, Shawn Michaels, ever since you've had that title, you've been flying first class. But tonight, you've got a one-way ticket on value jet. Hey, wait a minute. Wait, doc, Doc, wait, is yeah. that Mr. Perfect? But, yeah, I... What? That, that's oh, that's, that's locker Mr. Perfect. That's you know, a of collusion. He's the referee in the match. What, what's the deal here? <laughs> well, you think Mr. Perfect is going
5: to go over in the dressing room, the same dressing room as Shawn Michaels? He might get his wallet stolen. Yeah.
3: Oh but my Mr. Goodness. Perfect
5: is going to call it right down the middle tonight. Right. There is going to be no referees being knocked down. Tonight, the British Bulldog is going to join the Triple Header Club. I've been the War Wrestling Federation's the colonel Champion and one half of the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions. But tonight, the British Bulldog takes the World Wrestling Federation title at King of the Ring. Shawn Michaels, you're mine in less than a few short hours away.
4: All right. Thank you very much indeed, Doc.
0: We then go to a match I definitely wasn't looking forward to. Jerry the King Lawler, this is why he's not on commentary, taking on the Ultimate Warrior. Um, If you've listened to the Raw and Nitro shows in the build-up to this, you'll know all about the... um, incident with the Lawler hitting the Warrior with the picture Warrior wearing a baseball cap for the one and only time in his career so um, this was not, this. it was doomed from the start Jerry Lawler goes up to the throne during his entrance and cuts a promo insulting Milwaukee um, then chats shit to the crowd on his way down to the ring very very old school or um, reminded me of the video game WWF Attitude yes he goes hard on a few in the crowd as well. He definitely doesn't pull too many punches, the King, so we'll put a little bit of that in as well. It's, um, it's pretty good heel work, really.
1: Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's 1985 Memphis.
0: Lawler <laughs> uses a scepter on the Ultimate Warrior during the entrance, um, and we get a Burger King, king chant from the crowd he chokes him with his wrist tape and then hits a pile driver and picks up the one, two, three app. Uh, no, just kidding. The ultimate warrior pops <laughs> straight up and no sells. Him. <laughs> Shakes the ropes, hits him with three clotheslines, a shoulder block and pins him with his knees on the chest. So 1996 warrior is not my warrior. No, he's nobody's warrior.
1: Barely, even, <laughs> barely even Vince's.
0: And this is enough to pick up my dick move of the week. Um, Hits Lawler with a couple of weak clotheslines and that's enough to get a pin with just his knees. That's pretty shitty, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: just a terrible run. Sorry, Ultimate
0: Warrior. Ill ill advised. Yes. Doc then is with Gorilla and Jake and uh, Jake and the Doctor and Gorilla Monsoon says he's going to let him go on. It's Jake's decision. He wants to fight. Owen Hart cracks me up though bringing up Jake's age all night. Every time he talks about it, he adds on an extra 10 years. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah. We get a recap of The Undertaker and Mankind angle so far. Uh, casket match against Gold Dust where Mankind popped out and a count-out win um, for the Bulldog on Raw where Mankind held on to The Undertaker's leg from under the ring. So Mankind's definitely been a thorn in the side of The
1: Undertaker thus far. Is, we then, this is his pay-per-view debut as well. You don't think like, yeah. at the time with how it's built and with The Undertaker, you think he's been around for a while, but he actually hasn't.
0: It's actually a, um, a really good build here. This is the first time in a while that someone genuinely looked like a threat to The Undertaker, and that would be the trend of the next couple of years. So I really enjoyed this so far.
1: Well, yeah, it's the fact of Undertaker would actually have to start working as well. Scott just uses classic Undertaker classic Undertaker matches, it was putting your working boots
0: on. Absolutely. Um, Paul Bearer comes out solo and then the lights come up and the Undertaker is on the top rope and comes off with a big clothesline and then goes to work on Mankind Corner Punches um, Old School and then Mankind fights back, hits him with a slam and a clothesline but Taker sits up the running corner knee and the crowd get behind Undertaker pretty early with a Rest in Peace chant We get the elbow drop to the floor and then a discus clothesline. Some real classics from Mankind here. They brawl along the outside. Undertaker hits a backdrop onto a chair on the concrete, which is pretty sick. Um, We get a chair to the back while Paul Bear is with the referee. A big boot. Mankind fights back with a swinging neck breaker, a leg drop, an elbow, and then a nerve hold. But the crowd, again, hot for the Undertaker, really wanting him to come back here. He fights out with some quick punches and a clothesline before Mankind knees uh, knees him in the head to the steps, which looked pretty sick as well, and slams him on the concrete. He, go- he goes for a long jumping elbow, but Undertaker uses a chair as a shield, and that was really fucking good. Um, he then hits him with an unprotected chair shot, which in hindsight wasn't so good, but looks sick. Mankind, however, fights back with a pile driver for a two and rips his hair out. Gets the urn, but Bearer steals it back. Locks on the mandible claw. And Paul Bearer goes for Mankind um, with the urn, but hits The Undertaker instead. Mankind locks on the claw again. And holy shit, Mankind picks up the victory over The Undertaker on his pay-per-view debut in a really, really good match. I enjoyed the hell out of this. What did you think?
1: Yeah, very good match. Um, Different to what we're used to. Um uh, like going back to what I said about the Undertaker. Um yeah, it was just it was really, really good. Um a nice little sleeper match in amongst amongst the crowd amongst the cards, sorry. Um this the the chemistry's not quite there yet, but you know what's around the corner and the, these two you can't not think mankind and not think Undertaker.
0: Yeah, definitely. They'd be married together for the the rest of their career, basically. Um, but this is the start of it all, and it was a really, really good start. So, awesome match. This is one that, obviously, it's not as famous as the King of the Ring or the SummerSlam match, but I would definitely recommend, if you haven't seen this, go and watch it.
1: Where it all began.
0: Mm. Owen Hart, of course, with his um, channeling his inner Bobby Heenan while he's on commentary, speculating that Paul Bearer did it on purpose. Um, but at this point, that is not the case so far. Perfect and Michaels have a slight altercation backstage, continuing to build the storyline for the main event. So that was good. Before we go to Gold Dust, even defending his Intercontinental title against Armad Johnson, um, another angle again that hasn't aged so well, being basically all around homophobia and Gold Dust having kissed Armad Johnson while he was unconscious, a little bit rapey <laughs> for my liking. Ahmed storms out and attacks immediately um, clotheslining the shit out of Gold Dust, but nearly paralyzes himself with a plancher um, not not very well advised they brawl along the outside Golddust hits a clothesline a slam and an eye rake and starts to rub up Ahmed Johnson um, I, I actually just this is completely out of left field but as Goldust is basically holding on holding Ahmed in a, in a hold and rubbing up against him I had a quick thought to myself I wonder how well that strategy would go in the UFC <laughs> It would be somewhat un- unnerving, um, but you're taking a real risk of getting your head knocked off.
1: It would work once.
0: <laughs> Goldust hits an awful-looking pile driver, which Vince and JR try to cover for him, and the sexy pin for the two-count. Um, Ahmed misses a drop kick, and then Goldust locks on a sleeper, but then gives mouth-to-mouth um, to Ahmed. I'm, my first note is... If he's out cold, shouldn't the match be over? And the second note is, if the bell's not rung, why are you trying to revive him? You fucking idiot!
1: I oh, know uh, it was confused. Obviously, when he's lost consciousness and he's doing the mouth to mouth, technically he's pinning him as well. Yeah, wrestling logic. <laughs> yeah, where's the three count? Come on. <laughs>
0: Ahmed Johnson, just like Snow White, is awoken by the kiss of his Prince Charming, but unlike Snow White, they don't live happily ever after. He gets up and hits a spinebuster and a Pearl River plunge for the 1-2-3 and the Intercontinental Championship.
1: Yep. Queering don't make the world work, son.
0: (laughs) He celebrates with the crowd, and while he's doing this, I spot Vlad in the front row as well, so classic superfan there.
1: Good old Vlad.
0: We get a cheesy um, alien-themed-in-your-house probo before going to a Coliseum video exp- exclusive. Ahmed Johnson and some lower-card faces celebrating, and then Shawn Michaels comes in to congratulate him.
1: Yeah. Uh, Got to b- start building that relationship.
0: <laughs> yep. We then get another sleeper segment of the night. It's not a match, but Brian Pillman coming out and cutting a crazy heel promo with Jr. in the ring. Um, definitely put some of this in for you to have a listen to. But this was um, something I didn't know happened on this show, and I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, if you forget in the um, I've known, in the times in the times with Nash and uh, Hall jumping. This kind of you forget that Pullman, Pillman came the other way, um, and you forget and you think if it wasn't for his um, gummy uh, ankle and that what how much more of a bigger part, and obviously his addiction, which eventually killed him, How what bigger part he would have played in the Attitude uh, era, to be fair. Because you get the nice little uh, recognition nod between Pillman and Steve Austin on the on the aisleway um, as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, for, I know Hall and Nash take all the pallets for the signings, but Pillman was a pretty good acquisition, to be fair.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you're right. If he'd have managed to um, stick around, I do think it would have been a... Um... I think, I think it would have been huge in the Attitude Era, definitely.
4: Gerald, take it. Thanks very much, uh, Brian Pil...
3: How's my extended family doing, Jimmy? Fine. I forgot to tell you, I don't even give a damn about my own family. And I think even less of this sewer of human waste that sits before me. It's easy to see why Jeffrey Dahmer tried to consume this whole state from head to toe. It's not really funny.
4: I'm sure the fans are excited about the day that you'll be able to compete in the ring. You think, how do you think you're going to measure up to this level of competition?
3: Listen, you stupid son of a bitch! i will right, apologize. This- What I'd like to know is, how do you feel being one of the members of the Wretched Refuse, sitting paralyzed with fear, while Brian Alfred Building does, says, whatever he wants? <laughs> We're gonna find out real soon if one of your so-called WWF superstars! It has the guts to stop me.
0: <laughs> we, we then go to the King of the Ring final. It's Stone Cold taking on Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, very cool to see Stone Cold and Brian Pillman cross each other's paths during his entrance as well, so a bit of foreshadowing for things to come. Yep. We get a close-up of Austin's lip, which has got 16 stitches in it legitimately that the commentary team tell us about. Um from his match with Miro, he took a bit of a stray blow and then he jumps Jake during the entrance and works over Jake's injured ribs, uh, storyline injury for Jake. Not, not a real one. Hits a beat beat down and slaps him. Jake every now and again gets a little hope spot in, but it's pretty much one sided. He rips off Jake's tape. Monsoon comes out and the referee backs up stone cold as JR begs gorilla monsoon not to stop the match. JR gets on stone cold. Um, sorry, Jake Roberts gets back on stone cold, hits him with some punches, Austin blocks the DDT and hits a stunner for the 1 2 3 and um yeah, JR accurately on commentary predicts a bright future for one stone called Steve Austin.
1: I think your uh, I think your description of the match lasted longer than was longer than the actual match. You made it seem like a lot <laughs> more a ten- ha- you made, made it seem like a lot more happened in it than it actually did.
0: <laughs> I've got a tendency to do that. I'm a boring brick. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's um no, it was it was it was odd, it was kind of like what's the what was the point of the whole Jake the Snake story to then just be demolished in the final. Demolished in the semi, demolished in the final. Um yeah, it was pretty pretty confusing but we get but it leads to what we get.
0: Then goes backstage and demolishes all the drugs.
1: Yeah. And Sonny.
0: <laughs>
1: she's oh got to she, she's got to pay for her half. <laughs> uh
0: I, I don't even want to think about how that deal would go down. <laughs> <laughs> we then get a promo that some of you might have heard. Um it's not very well documented, but um a little a little catchphrase is born from it. Um Austin 316.
4: The fourth prestigious King of the Ring, Stone Cold Steve Austin, an incredible victory.
2: The first thing I want to be done is to get that piece of crap out of my ring. Come on! Don't just get him out of the ring; get him out of the WWF. Because I prove, son, without a shadow of a doubt, you ain't got what it takes anymore. You sit there, and you thump your Bible, and you say your prayers, and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says, I just whipped your ass. He is stone cold. Come on, that's not necessary. All he's got to do is go buy him a cheap bottle of Thunderbird. All right, stop And try to dig back some of that courage he had in his prime. As the king of the ring, I'm serving notice to every one of the WWF superstars. I don't give a damn what they are. They're all on the list, and that's Stone Cold's list, and I'm fixing to start running through all of them.
5: All right, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, and his remarks yes,
6: 1996, WWF as King as this of the Ring. Championship
2: matches considered, son. I don't give a damn if it's Davey Boy Smith or Shawn Michaels. Steve Austin's time has come. And when I get the shot, you're looking at the next WWF champion. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so.
1: Yeah, it's um, the whole, everything, every part of everything that he says. It's just brilliant. It um, gave us the hero and legend that we have today.
0: Yeah, Austin is fantastic. Um, even even back here, you could see how brilliant he was. He wasn't quite final form. Um, it's funny because as his character gets better, his in-ring work dips slightly. But here, he's sort of 96, 97. He's in the middle of the the character works going up before the ring work's dropping. And it, it's really, really good to see.
1: Yeah. We did could... get short. Sure... Oh, co- oh, sorry, go on. For saying this guy was the ringmaster not that long ago. Yeah, I know. Um... It's night and day. <laughs>
0: We then get Shawn Michaels defending his World Heavyweight Championship against a British Bulldog in our main event, with Mr. Perfect as the referee. He comes out first, and then we get um, the Bulldog gets some pretty funny cheers from the commentary t- table from Owen Hart. Gorilla Monsoon comes out, however, and says that Mr. Perfect can be a referee on the outside, but not in the ring. Um, for some reason, I was watching this during the network update, and I watched that that part of this segment six different times, and it really pissed me off. So my notes get a bit ranty here. I'll skip over them. <laughs> we get a USA chant from the crowd. Bulldog shoves Shawn Michaels and does a handstand flip, which is quite cool. Some chain wrestling, and then we get a Shawn Michaels Hurricane Rana off the aprons of the floor, which was mightily impressive. Owen calls Diana beautiful on commentary and all of his family, bar one, are beautiful according to Owen, which is quite funny. I um, don't know what he had against Bruce's looks. (laughs) We get a quick exchange, which ends with a Shawn Michaels arm drag. Mr. Perfect pushes the Bulldog's arm off the ropes on the arm bar, which puzzles Jim Cornette. He's not sure what's going on there. We get a bit of a clunky exchange and then another Shawn Michaels arm bar. The Bulldog hits a gorilla press over the top rope to the floor um, and then suplexes Shawn Michaels on the floor. Bulldog goes in control for a while, locks on a chin lock, hits a knee lift. Before Michaels comes back with a crossbody for a two, Bulldog hits a clothesline and a chin lock again. Shawn Michaels goes up top, but the Bulldog drop kicks him down and then hits a superplex. We get a powerbomb from the Hurricane Rana, a classic wrestling game reversal if I've ever seen one for a two count. Shawn Michaels hits a forearm, a nip-up, and then a slam, but the referee gets bumped after the top rope elbow. He hits chin music, and Earl is up. He and Mr. Perfect both count. Owen Hart pulls Perfect out, and the bell rings um, for the win as Owen Hart in to take some shots on Shawn Michaels, puts him in a figure four. I'm not sure why. <laughs> the, the, the heels then start to beat down on Shawn Michaels. Um, we get a spin kick from Owen Hart and a double suplex. Arma Johnson comes out for the save, then Vader comes out, and we get a three-on-two beatdown before the Ultimate Warrior comes out to make the save to a big pop, so despite his uh, not-so-good booking earlier, the crowd is still behind him, and seeing the Ultimate Warrior here while Sexy Boy plays over the Tannoy is quite charring to me.
1: Yeah, this version this version of the click's not that, not that impressive, to be fair.
0: No. And this is the match that that was supposed to headline the next month's pay-per-view, but I think Warrior walks out before then. That's the, the next show you and I will review anyway. But, um, yeah, it was supposed to be Ahmed Johnson, Shaw Michaels, and the Ultimate Warrior taking on Vader, Bulldog, and Owen Hart. And that's a match that I actually could have really gotten behind, to be fair. That's got a lot of interesting mix of characters in there for me.
1: Yeah, it's, it, would, it could have been. It would have been a good match. I mean, obviously... We won't spoil it, but Warrior's replacement is a worthy replacement. Um, <laughs> but now it was like well, the the slight foreshadowing with the Colosseum exclusive and um, obviously Owen being it was quite clever to have Owen there at ringside as a commentator for a, for the show just for this moment at the end. Just don't really understand what the point of Hefner, uh, Hefner, uh, Hefner, and Perfect Carton and. Cornette pulling perfect out, kind of didn't make any sense. It didn't really go anywhere.
0: Bulldogs and Mike... Bulldogs. The Bulldog and Michaels are two guys that should have had classic matches but never seemed to manage it. Um, I don't know why. Bulldog and Brett always turned into a classic. Sean and Brett always turned into a classic. Bulldog had classics with other people. Sean had classics with everybody. But together, it never quite worked out the way it should have done. (coughs) And yeah, that um, Colosseum video <clears throat> exclusive you mentioned, I'll splice in as well. It's JR interviewing Cam Cornett afterwards, and the line of this for me is Cornet telling JR that Vader would eat you alive if he wasn't on a low-fat diet.
1: Yeah, there's another one as well when Owen, uh, same thing, saying uh, he's got a gr- we've got a great cast, referring to Cam Cornet and the one on his hand. She's <laughs> evil. Classic Owen.
4: Well, the dust is hardly settled, gentlemen. I can tell you one thing. At the international incident in Vancouver, I know three men that are going to get all over your camp, cornet. Oh, just, you guys uh, should be appalled and ashamed of yourself. What a gang oh, fight. We should be ashamed. Oh, we should be ashamed after what Shawn Michaels did. He had every friend he's had since he's been in grade school out there, and that's thinking Jose Lothario pulled a switchblade on me. Let me tell you something right now. I know what Shawn Michaels' game plan was. He said, I know I can't beat the British Bulldog, So when the man gets me down, when the man's wearing me out, when the man's running my face into that carpet then i want y'all all all of my friends i want y'all to hit the ring and pull him off of me and that's what they tried to do but thanks to the rest of camp cornet we're ready to fight and if they want a six-man tag brother they got a six-man tag because if you want a gang fight you got a gang right here that's willing to go, brother. And, Owen, you should really be ashamed of yourself. A broadcaster getting involved. No one threatens you. You had no business Wait, in the I mean, ring. First of all,
5: don't categorize me. I'm not a broadcaster. Yeah. I'm a wrestler. Yeah, I'm no a one slammy award move. winner. And I am the best there is. Yeah. Now, Shawn Michaels, you kicked the referee and knocked him down. I didn't know what was going on. I wasn't sure if Mr. Perfect was getting in there. I ran to give him a shove to tell him to get in there and count. That's what I was doing. I didn't interfere. And the other stinking referee who didn't
4: even belong in there, who's probably some wino that picked up down to local Fallen oh, crawl Tavern, stop. he's the one that Canada Penn pin, and Gorilla Monsoon's crooked, because that guy shouldn't even have been a referee in the first place. He's got stripes down his back all right, yellow stripes, just like Monsoon. It was all a conspiracy. But you want an international incident? Maybe if we go to Canada, then the WWF won't have so much political pull, and we'll get a fair shake. One way or another, Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, Ultimate Warrior, your future is looking very, very dim. And I guess you th- think you're still a better man than Shawn Michaels don't you well
5: you know what I'm the better man but Shawn Michaels you know let me tell you something I didn't know that you had that many friends but that's okay because the British Bulldog has got his own friends I've got my brother-in-law and the biggest man in professional wrestling today Big Van Vader it's going to be Vader time in Vancouver we got a great
4: cast right here yeah (laughs) any final remarks from you yeah you got the biggest jowls I ever seen in my life. Oh, why don't you shut up, ladies you and gentlemen? Shut up and don't talk to what a, a manager like that. You That's got a
5: big mistake. Yeah. Look at who's around you. You call our manager an idiot again, and you'll pay for it. Vader style, bulldog style, or royal style from the King of Hearts. You're, Vader'd eat you alive if he wasn't on a low-fat diet.
4: This interview is over.
0: So, so good. We then get a wrap-up video to end the pay-per-view, and that will do it for The King of the Ring, another historically significant show. I think there's a few few more of those to come for you and I in the um, years and months ahead.
1: Yeah, it's, after, after, it's a nice treat after the abominations that we've had to put up with, to be fair. So we're moving into oh, some watched, of these shows.
0: We've watched some garbage, so. I'm actually really looking forward to not the next one, but the one after and seeing SummerSlam 96 again. I've got fond memories of that show.
1: Yeah, and obviously the inevitable uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Mabel feud. <laughs> we also have to have last year's King of the Ring have a fight with the new King of the Ring. That's rules. Of course.
0: <laughs> of course. Um, that probably should be his rite of passage. Until he can get past Mabel, he should not be ascending to the main event.
1: I know. He we, we um, we, we just get that weird SummerSlam free-for-all match against Yokozuna.
0: Yeah. yeah, I wonder if that's actually on the network version. We'll have to um, have a look for that when we get there.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, it kind of like it's kind of an odd. Obviously, with such obviously we move to it. Obviously, with such the heat they he had at the end of his King of the Ring win, he kind of fizzles for a little bit.
0: Yeah, it it it's not the immediate ascendance that you would think it is. Um, that wwf history leads you to believe but um that's going to be an interesting uh thing for us to follow um the next few pay-per-views coming up um obviously we've got the big six man expected at the next one and then SummerSlam 96 i'm a big fan of and yeah going into 96 97 there's some really good shows on the horizon um and a very historically significant show coming up in wcw very soon so lots for us to look forward to
1: yeah definitely and we're mostly, before we're mostly we get... To get through the whole of King the Room 96 without even mentioning that Triple H was the one supposed to win it.
0: Yeah, interesting. Um, d- don't go out and hug your friends in Madison Square Garden?
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, I've, you're I've, right, what I've to his career?
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he made something of it at some <laughs> point.
1: <laughs> he got to fight Aldo Montoya in a dark match at this show.
0: Yeah, he's got a few... Um, Hogpen matches in his future as well, I believe. Dumpster matches,
1: classics. Do, 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 do.
0: We now need to pick ourselves a winner. Um, so, going through it bit by bit, who? Do you, which show do you think had the hotter crowd?
1: Um, I hate these questions. Um, I think in terms of um, just everything. I think. Um, Probably the WWE. I think they're both semi on par to be right. To be honest, they both had their moments of uh, ups and downs. Um, they were pretty hot for like the, the Horseman footballers match and bits and bobs. Um, but I think the fact that this the King of the Ring was more solid throughout a more solid show, they were, seemed to enjoy it more.
0: Um, I actually you were, I couldn't split them, so I I went with a tie. Um, I I think, that. I, I actually. You can change it if you want
1: Hey, I'd go tie that
0: They're both similar sized crowds That were pretty happy with what they got Served up for the most part So I really couldn't split them Um, I could split them however on Use of characters And I went with the WWF um, Simply because WCW didn't have Macho Man or Hogan in a match So it wasn't like all their big stars were on display and Hall and Nash were on the show and made a big impact, but again, not in matches. So I went with the WWF who really only had Bret Hart missing from this show. Everybody else was on, on cast. What did you think?
1: Yeah, they, but they, it was all the big guns out for King of the Ring. I mean, some of the pay-per-views that we have watched, they tend to just be a couple and then the rest are all filler. But this had Taker, Mankind, Sean, Bulldog, Owen, Vader, everybody. And Definitely. And WCW had Algato. <laughs> not a Gatto. Yeah. <clears throat> Pat Tanaka in a mask? Yes, Pat Tanaka in a mask. Who
0: do you think uh, had the best storyline development out of the two shows? This is a tough one because I think both these shows really did move their stories along, so I couldn't split them. Did you have a, a strong preference
1: either way? No, I couldn't. It's kind of... They were both kind of... Tra- they are more transitional, it's not really the word, but they were both moving in the directions that were going in, so... In terms of storylines, everything was built, everything was continuing and building.
0: Another another category which I found quite tough to split um, was the production value. Did you have a preference, to, who do you think put on the slicker show here?
1: I think um, in terms of slickness, I think going back to what you're saying about the video packages, it seems like WCW are trying to start making more of an effort and try and move on with things, so... I'd get, I gave them, in terms of trying to pick one, their slight nod in terms of that, because they're trying to... It seemed like they were trying to present things a little differently.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think they mix things up a little bit to their usual, whereas the WBF was very same old, same old. Um, which means, coming into the last, the last category, match quality, we are a dead tie. Who do you think put the better matches on? Because this is not an easy one for
1: this one. No, same again. I think... I can't, I can't really split them to be fair. They both had duds. They both, um, my battery's about to go. Oh
0: shit. Lucky we're right at the end then.
1: Yeah. And I've got literally 1%. So if it drops off, it drops off.
0: Okay. Um, so you went with the tie. Yeah. As did I, um, I couldn't split them. So I think we've got a, a dead tie, which is pretty fair. Cause these shows were both pretty, pretty good. Um, as your battery's about to die and you're going to need to get off here, so we should probably wrap it up. So thank you very much for being on once again, Carl. Um, hopefully we'll be able to pick a time and hook up a bit quicker for the next two shows. Um, anything you want to say before we, we check out for the night?
1: Uh, no. Um, just, yeah, it's good, to think, it's, good to, it's good to do this again. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll do things a lot quicker than, eight, than the 10 months that we've waited for this one. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Good to be back.
0: Alright, well, thank you very much for, for jumping on. Thank you everyone for listening. And that is where we're going to end it for tonight. So thank you all, and we'll speak to you again very soon.
1: Bye-bye. <laughs>